We're going to read from Mark's Gospel this morning, chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 6 down to verse 20. It's Mark 15, verse uh, 6 down to verse 20, and the words will be on the screens before you, or about page 852 of the, the Pew Bible. So let's read God's Word together. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner from whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed. And spitting on him and kneeling down to him in homage. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak. And they put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Amen. I want us this morning to think about, we thought about grace a few weeks ago, and I want us to think about grace again this morning, but think about just how scandalous grace is, and we're going to think about the scandal of grace. When we read of grace, it should really take our breath away. It should shock us a wee bit about the grace of Jesus. And as we gather this morning, I want us to, to stop and, and, and to really focus on the grace that Jesus has given to each one of us who follow him and who love him. We're in the danger of, I think, of sanitizing the gospel. And we do that, I think, to make it a bit easier for us to, to kind of digest and for us to try and wrap our heads around it. And what do I mean by that? Well, maybe this morning we've forgotten just how vile sin is to God. He, he detests it. Sin is offensive to him. And then in the contrast of that, maybe we've forgotten this morning just how perfect Jesus is. So I want us to hold those two things in, in the tension that need to be held this morning. The vileness of sin and the, the purity and the beauty of Jesus. In our passage that we read together just a few moments ago, we have this part of the crucifixion narrative where Jesus has been arrested. He's been brought before Pilate to be, um, to be kind of judged, and, and Pilate has this kind of control over him. He's standing over him, and, and in Pilate's hands, it seems on this side of, of, of eternity and on this side of, of the gospel, it looks like Pilate now has the say-so as to what's going to happen to Jesus. 
This is what Jesus' enemies wanted. The chief priests and the elders of the people, the religious leaders, they detested Jesus. They, they hated him. They, they, they couldn't stand him. And they, want, they hated him so much that they wanted to kill him. And for that to happen, they, they bring Jesus before Pilate. This is all part of their plan. They bring him before Pilate because he was the governor and had the sole responsibility to either free Jesus or to condemn Jesus. But Pilate in his hands also rested the power to determine what would happen to the person who was being sentenced if they were found guilty. But found guilty of what? What's Jesus done? We've just said he's perfect. We've just said he's pure. What has Jesus done? Well, we see through this part of the crucifixion narrative and elsewhere, if we read the other Gospels as we see the crucifixion narrative, we see some of these claims that they bring before Pilate about Jesus. That Jesus has, has claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate even asks that to Jesus. I think it's in Matthew's Gospel. And Jesus responds by, by saying, in the, in, in the English, it's kind of lost a wee bit. But what Jesus says is, what you've said is true. I am the king of the Jews. Isn't that what we see at the birth of Jesus as the wise men come and visit Jesus? We just see who's been born to be born king of the Jews. This is who this Jesus is. And one of the main accusations that was brought about Jesus was that he blasphemed. What does that mean that Jesus has declared that he is God? But look at verse 10. Pilate has perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. These two claims about Jesus being king and Jesus being God are truth. But that truth made the religious leaders envious of Jesus. This is why they brought Jesus before Pilate. They were envious of him. I want us to stop for a moment because when we read it, and even when we read it for the first time, it, it, it seems that, you know, all of a sudden Jesus has been arrested. He's been denied by one of his closest friends. He's then brought on trial. He's sentenced to death. He's, he's then beaten and spat at and then he ends up on the cross and and he dies and and it seems like this kind of really quick kind of snowball effect this this story that we read but i want us to stop and remember who is in control here this is all part of god's plan this is all part of god's redemption plan such was his love for you. That's why we see so many Old Testament prophecies about how the Messiah would be betrayed and would be handed over to the Gentiles for judgment and that he would die. And here we have Jesus being betrayed by the Jews, the ones that should be worshiping him and bowing before him, the religious leaders, the chief priests, the elders. They betray him and they hand him over to Pilate, who's a Gentile, to be judged. And we read of this custom that they have in verse 6, where Pilate would release for them one prisoner of who they asked. The Jews hated Pilate. They hated the Roman officials. So this custom was probably adopted by Pilate um, to kind of sweeten the Jews, perhaps. 
But why did they hate Pilate? And who was this, this guy, Pilate, who is standing over Jesus and sentencing him? Who is he? Well, why did they hate him? They, they hated him because Pilate was appointed governor over the Jews. In this conquered land, this land that had been conquered by the Romans, what they did when they would conquer a land was that they would install a Roman representative to rule and reign in that place. And as Pilate is placed there, he's now in control of this conquered land, this land that didn't belong to them. So they hated him. But the Jews, they, 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 they used this, this power that's been given to Pilate to try and get rid of the problem of Jesus. And just to ground our, our story in, in history this morning, this, this guy Pilate, he's in history as well. We read of his, his rule and his reign, his tenure was from A.D. 26 to A.D. 37. He was in a position of power um, as governor for 11 years. And history kind of shows he was a bit of a numpty, to be honest. He didn't get everything right all the time. And actually, we read of this uprising, this insurrection from Barabbas, that, that, that you know, these often happened. Because actually the Jews were revolting against, um, against uh, the, the, the Roman power. And, and many of these happened through, through Pilate's uh, tenure as governor. So as per the custom, as normally would happen, Pilate offered, um, offered the crowd um, that there's a chance of freedom for one of the prisoners that we have. And in Matthew's account, we read these words that Pilate said, Who do you want released? Barabbas. Or Jesus, who's called the Christ. Let me read in verses 9 through to 11 in our passage this morning these words. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. So Barabbas is the one that they want released. But who is this Barabbas? I mean, if Jesus is perfect, then Barabbas must be the best thing since sliced bread. Who is he? Well, we read in verse 7 that actually there was rebels in the prison. And one of them had committed murder through this kind of uprising that had taken place against the Roman power. And that's who Barabbas was. He was a murderer. We read elsewhere that he was notorious. He was well known. And when you're called notorious and you're a murderer, that's never, that's never a good combination. That's never a good thing. So Barabbas had been involved in this violent uprising against the government of authority. And he had committed murder in doing so. And he's notorious. He's well known. He was known for the wrongdoings that he had committed. So we have Barabbas, this known and dangerous murderer. And he's offered the chance of freedom depending on who the crowd chooses. And even though this seems to have been a custom that Pontius Pilate may have presided over many times, like I said, he'd, he was in tenure for 11 years. And, and the Jews knew of this custom. It's obviously been one that's been practiced. I don't know how long for, but it's been practiced before. But Pilate would never stand over and make a judgment call that would 
have such a huge impact on history in his whole life as the decision that he's making right now. It's why the Apostles' Creed that we'll say together, that together later on in our service that suffered under Pontius Pilate. He's involved in this whole redemption plan that God has ordained. He's standing over Jesus the Christ. So who do you want, Pilate asks. He asks the crowd, who do you want? Do you want Jesus? Jesus the Messiah? It's Jesus who has done miracles got a testimony of them and in, in, in people. You'll have known people who Jesus has healed. You'll have seen the miracles that he's done. His amazing teaching that's left us just totally amazed at the words he has to say. Do you want me to give you him or do you want Barabbas, this notorious murderer? Let's not miss the irony of what's happening here. It's very likely, and especially in Matthew's account of what's taking place here, it's very, very likely that Barabbas was his second name. And actually, his first name was, the, the scholars would say that the language leans towards this, was also Jesus. Because Jesus is, was a bit of a, a name that was, wasn't uncommon it derives itself from Joshua. So you've got this Jesus Barabbas, or you've got this Jesus the Christ. That's why they say that he, it's coined this way, especially in Matthew's account. Do you want Barabbas or Jesus the Christ? It's, he's, Pilate's making a differentiation between the two Jesuses that he's speaking about. That's what scholars say from the, the original language. Now we can take that irony even further because of what Barabbas means. As we read in the, in, in, in the New Testament, we see bar, B-A-R, being used of some people. And bar meant son of. And if you see Barabbas, maybe if you can put the, 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 the words up on, from verse 11, if that's okay on our screen. You'll see bar from, in Barabbas. And the second part of that, where are we, verse 11 at the very top, you can see bar, and then the second part is Abbas. Now, what word do you see in that second part? Abba. So actually, what we have here from the original language, this, this, this man's name meant son of the father. Now, there's obviously a reason why this is happening in the Scriptures. That they say that the language that we have leans itself towards that Barabbas' name was also Jesus. So you have Jesus son of the Father, and you have Jesus, the son of the Father. Isn't that just mind-blowing? And on offer here, we have this murderer, this, this murderous son of the Father, and this glorious son of the Father that's been offered to the crowd. Who is it that you're going to choose, crowd? Which Jesus do you want? But the beauty of what we're seeing here is this. That there was only ever really one son of the father. And his name was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Christ. And it is the true son of the father that is sentenced to death this day. But the crowd 
reject the Christ. They reject Jesus of Nazareth. They reject Jesus, the King of the Jews. And what they call in verse 13 is for him to be put to death. Destroy him. Crucify him. For the crowd didn't want the heavenly son. So they reject him. And they take the earthly son of the father instead. They take the earthly Barabbas. This notorious murderer. And they choose him. Why? Because they wanted a different Jesus. Friends, it is still true today. So many of us cannot stomach the Jesus of the gospel. We reject him. We want rid of him. Because actually, he changes our lives. And what we do instead is we accept or adopt or mold this earthly Jesus that we can stomach. Isn't it mind-blowing that they would rather live with this notorious murder on the streets than this Jesus, this miracle-working, perfect Savior instead? But friends, it's still the same. So many reject the Jesus of the Gospels. Why? Because of the claims that Jesus is standing before Pilate, they still stand true that he is, he is king and he is God. And before him, all we can really do is bend the knee. They saw this murderer as the safer option to live with. And today, people are still rejecting Jesus. Why? Because he really is the Christ. And if you truly accept him, your life is never the same. So many of us, we can stomach this Jesus, the Savior, this Jesus who's died for us because he loves us. But so many of us, we can't get past that because actually we need to take a step, for, a step closer to him. We have to accept him as Lord and Savior. We have to bend the knee and call him King and call him Lord. And when we realize that our lives are never the same, everything changes. So what about you? What are you going to do this morning? Who do you accept? Will you accept this Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus the Christ, this Jesus the Savior, this Jesus who died for you, this Jesus who rose for you, this Jesus who loves you, but this Jesus who will change your life? Or will you be like the crowd and reject him so that you can stomach something a bit more palatable and a bit comfier and a bit safer for you. It's a decision each of us have to make. But the crowd here, we see their decision and they're stirred up by the chief priests and the leaders of the uh, religious leaders in the day and they call for Barabbas. They want Barabbas and they call to Pilate, crucify Jesus, destroy him. And here, friends, is where we begin to see the scandal of grace. And here we see into redemption. And here we see the cost of our ransom. For Pilate, Pilate lets Barabbas go. Which means what? It means that Jesus is sentenced to death. Or we could look at that through the lens of grace. And we can flip it around. And we can say that Jesus is sentenced to die so that Barabbas could walk free. 
That's what grace does. Grace flips that. We look at it from an earthly point of view. It looks that Barabbas is, you know, Barabbas uh, gets to go free, so Jesus has to die. But the way that the gospel works and the way of grace is that Jesus died so that Barabbas could walk free. Do you ever ask yourself, why was there three crosses? One was meant for Barabbas. One was meant for Barabbas. And friends, in this story, we see the most beautiful insight into grace and into redemption. It should have been Barabbas on that cross. That filthy, notorious murderer, that dangerous man. How dare he walk free? How dare the crowd choose him? How dare he skip out of that court and walk on home and lay down his head? How dare he do that? Why would God allow him to be pardoned? And why would God put Jesus in Barabbas' place? Grace. That's why. It should have been Barabbas on that cross. And friends, when we look at this story, it should have been me on that cross as well. It should have been you on that cross. But such is the mercy of God that Jesus went there instead of Barabbas and Jesus went there instead of you. See, friends, we are all like Barabbas because of sin. The wages of sin is dead. We are all sentenced to die because of sin. Barabbas must have been, his mind must have been blown. I can't believe I've got away with this. But friends, what grace makes us say is, I can't believe he went for me. That's why Jesus died, because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Barabbas took Jesus' freedom, and Jesus took Barabbas' punishment. And that is the offer of the gospel to you this day. Put your trust in Jesus and he will wash away your sins. He will give you freedom, he will give you life, and he will give you an inheritance. And he takes your pain, he takes your suffering, he takes your place on the cross. In Barabbas' place, Jesus stood. In my place, Jesus stood. In my place, condemned, he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Friends, that is the scandal of grace. In Jesus, my greatest need has been met. I thought I had all these needs in my life. I thought I had all these things I needed to do and these things I needed to have and these things I needed to achieve and these things that were wrong with me, these things I had to try and fix. And, but friends, in Jesus, my greatest need is met. And that's what happens when we read the gospel. That's what happens when, when Jesus touches our hearts. We realize actually the greatest need we have is freedom from the oppression of sin. And in Jesus, that need is met. That is perfect, sinless, spotless, righteous one, Jesus, who's existed from before all eternity, the one who'd always enjoyed perfect unity with his Father and the Spirit. The one who'd always enjoyed the, the warmth of the glory of heaven with his Father, that, that he would set that aside for you and for me and for Barabbas. 
people often ask me, well, what about this person? And, and what about that person? And, and they give you these, um, these situations. Well, what if someone's done all these things? And what if they've done this and they've done that? And, and we all know what I'm talking about. We've all thought it. We've all had these questions asked to us. What about this? And what about that person? Surely, because of those sins, they can't get to heaven because of what they've done. That's right. None of us can get to heaven because of what we've done. It's because of what he's done. And that's grace. How dare Barabbas walk free? This notorious murder. But that's a scandal of grace. That any who call on the name of the Lord, and in this exchange we see with Jesus and Barabbas, we see this beautiful insight and this beautiful picture of the gospel. That even those who are in the very clutches of death, Barabbas was about 10 minutes away from the cross. And yet Jesus says, through the gospel, I'll take your place. Put your trust in me. That he would take the place of Barabbas. That he would take my place. That he would take your place. Scandalous. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's grace. But friends, let us never forget the cost of this grace. The grace of God is so costly. Let's read together verses 16 through to 20 again. So the decision's been made. Barabbas, you're free. Jesus, you're going to die. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed. And spitting on him. And kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak. And put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. For Barabbas. In Barabbas's place. In your place. In my place. This is what they did. To the real son of the father. Jesus the Christ. The darling of heaven. Friends, we so often get lost by looking at the person's sin and this person's sin and that person's sin. But if you were the only person that ever existed in this world, these verses would still have been written for you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. We think about what he went through for me lost and dead in my sins. But yet he didn't look upon us with hate or disappointment. But he looked upon us in mercy and grace and love. And he said, you know what? They're worth it. I love them. I want them to be with me. I want them to belong to me. I want them to be betrothed to me. I want them to be my bride. And as Jesus is spat at 
and beaten and humiliated and stripped. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. The scandal of grace, this glorious gospel, this amazing Savior. Let us pray. Lord, we take a moment now just to sit quietly in your presence. thank you that none of us are beyond your reach. Lord, I thank you that your arm is not short, but it is long and it is strong. I thank you that you're mighty to save. God, I thank you that even in our sin, even when we were dead in our transgressions, that you loved us and you went to the cross for us. thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And God, we thank you for all that you endured for our redemption. Jesus, we love you. But only because you first loved us. Amen.